Hi, and welcome to Beyond Parking, a podcast brought to you by the British Parking Association. My name is Joey, and I'm here today with Julian, and we both work in the technology, innovation, and research team. Welcome back to the third in our conference mini series. Uh, so we're featuring those involved in the BPA's annual virtual conference. And today we have a really interesting discussion with Piers Thurston. He's a mentor, he's a life coach, he works with organisations to help them change. And I think the most common thread underneath the, uh, the references in LinkedIn was mind-blowing. I don't know if your mind was blown by his keynote. How did, yeah. how, what did you make of it, Joey? Yeah, it was. It was fascinating. I found it really interesting. I mean, I find this kind of stuff fascinating anyway. Yeah, I found um, this this idea of quality of mind and kind of having those aha moments. And in the workplace, for change to happen, you need to be in that quality state of mind. So, yeah, it was really fascinating. Yes, we better go to the interview. There's, there's so much to... Uh, to learn from uh, this podcast, I think, as as with listening to Matt, if you missed his keynote and you want to uh, hear it yourself, there will be links in the blurb attached to this podcast. It's all up there on the BPA website. All of the offerings that were recorded will be there for you to enjoy. Go and have a listen if you haven't uh, already experienced peers in person at the BPA conference. Let's go to the interview, shall we? Yeah, sounds great. So I was just wondering if you could tell me a little bit about yourself and how you became a coach. You talked about the aha moment uh, when you did your keynote and I was just wondering what your aha moment was that led you to develop your own approach. Yeah so I'd always you know always always been interested in people Um, just since a young kid I remember it and and my my dad has a family business and he'd always come home and talk about the business and 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 actually the people in the business so i realized that business and people were kind of the same thing um got very curious about it um didn't actually do psychology at university because i felt like that was just cutting up rabbits and things and frogs and i wanted i was more interested in the people people um and then when coaching came into the uk sort of 20 or 21 22 years ago i thought wow that sounds fascinating I got into that. I got into things like neurolinguistic programming, positive psychology. And then about 10 years later, so about 11, 12 years ago now, I had a, it, it, was, a, it was a drip, 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 aha, rather than a big road to Damascus moment. But it, what I started to see from help of a mentor in the States was that the way we, most of us see how reality is created is, is, is the wrong way around, right? So actually what what is going on for us rather than being a world out there of material and matter and then we kind of interpret that using our our minds it's the other way around it's 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 a we are a projection right everything is a projection it's a perceptual generated reality and and it's 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 inside out not outside in and i was like ah and and what and then also all the need for tools and techniques are just not so necessary when you see the, the the truth of the reality so um I then got a problem that I couldn't carry on doing the work I was in the way I was doing it. It d- didn't feel right to me. So s- different stuff started coming out of my mouth when I was working with clients and doing trainings. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I seem to see it differently now. Um, and then I realized how powerful it was. I also realized it was quite a hard thing for people to hear. Uh, uh, people need a conceptual wrapper. They need, they need to try and make it fit with their worlds. Um, so I spent really the next sort of six, seven years trying to find a better way to talk about it. Um, 
and where I am now, I suppose, is my latest version of that. Um, I'm not saying it couldn't get better, but um, so it's been an ongoing evolution for me. And what's so beautiful to see is it doesn't stop. There's no getting it. I used to think you could get it. I was like, oh, I get it now. And I was like, no, there's nothing to get. And it sounds odd, sounds trite, but it's totally infinite. I just don't see a limit to the exponential potential. So there we go. Thank you. That was, uh, that was a really nice um, kind of uh, story of your journey to get to where you were uh, yesterday presenting to our, um, our delegates. Now, I really picked upon the quality of mind concept that you, uh, you gave to everyone listening and um, how we can uh, look at our relationships in the world uh, differently by just opening ourselves up to a different awareness. I don't know if I've summarized it very well there. I'd much rather hear it from you. Maybe you could perhaps summarize the, the quality of the mind concept um, as, as well as you can in this, in this short format that we've got. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard thing to do in a, in a, in a gist, but I'll, I'll give it a go. So it, the, probably the easiest way to see it is that it's like it's, the metaphor we often use is that we're on different apertures to, to how we are right and that aperture determines not only the resourcefulness that you have to operate in the world that you see but also the world that you see right so it's not like oh when i'm in a good aperture i can deal with my problems better when we're in 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 an expansive aperture we don't even see the things as problems right so we need to understand that there's two things going on one that what we are is is only ever a limitation of our potential of our conceptual mind and there's there's an influence behind that and all the things that we look for like well-being peace of mind love compassion resilience creativity fresh possibility perspective is inbuilt into the system right that you can't break that nothing in your in your experience of what's happened to you or will what can happen to you can break that that's not up for grabs and we have an aperture to that so that's why we don't always see it that's why you'll see people with mental health issues that's why you'll see people getting grumpy and upset and all that kind of stuff so that aperture ebbs and flows now we can't control that aperture with a psychological tool which a lot of people would like to be able to do um sometimes we feel it going open and we might attribute it to like oh i went for a run or i did some mindfulness or some yoga and my aperture contracted uh, expanded great but that's a correlation not a cause the one thing that does seem to uh you know help the aperture expand is how we are seeing reality in any moment and the more that we see that we are just part of the flow and, and it's what is appearing in front of us is a real but not true reality, then we are a more expansive aperture. That's why we can drop dreams so easily. When we are insistent that what is going on is fixed and objectively true, we're in a narrow aperture and we don't get all that beautiful flow and all that beautiful resourcefulness. So that is a short answer. I don't know whether, it, whether that works, but that, that is a short version. Well, it worked for me uh, and hopefully uh, our, our listeners as well. I, I, um, I think it's one of those things that, that feels like it needs uh, practice, but not in a um, didactic way that you'd go to a lesson, but it's just an awareness of, of how you're feeling and, and how you might be more dominated by a conceptual understanding of the world rather than... Well, that, that you're spot on right, because what yeah. you can't do is take what I just said and apply it. Mm-hmm. Um, good luck with that. It won't work. What what can happen though through that you know that curiosity, exploring, and awareness that you mentioned, people have a realization about what we've just talked about, and it's beyond the words. It's nothing to do with the words. That the system sees it, and when we have a realization, you've kind of got it. 
right? And then you see the implications of it rather than trying to apply it. So a curiosity to explore and increase awareness to see it for yourself rather than, oh, I heard some bloke on a podcast talk about it, therefore I'm going to apply it. And one thing I think that ties it together is, is that one thing that we do and we'll be doing more of now we are talking about going back to the office is having meetings, is leading on meetings, communicating in meetings. And I just wondered uh, what your conceptualization, what, what it has to offer for the meeting. How can you encourage your college colleagues to have that open aperture? How can you encourage flow in meetings? Yeah, a great, great point, because we, we've all been in meetings in, in high aperture and how different they are to ones in no aperture, right? <laughs> They're shorter, more succinct, more, more creative. So, so how we do that is by having a respect and an understanding of what we've just talked about, right? So that, that would be the, the, the ideal way of doing it. Now, if, if people want a more tactical way, then it's just about noticing, right, where you are at before you start your meeting or, or during the meeting as it evolves, right? Because we have a beautiful built-in intelligence of the system that tells us where that aperture is, and that's our sensations and feelings. Now, what we innocently do is attribute that to the situation, the person, the past, the future, right? Now, if we can just notice that when I'm feeling, oh, I need to get on with this meeting, or that person's annoying me, or they're not understanding me, or I've got too much to do, or I'm fearful about COVID, or whatever it is, that is not, not, that's not telling us about the perceived outside world. That's telling us about the aperture. Beautiful feedback. So anxiety, stress, all those things are very, very helpful. Not that we need to fix anything in the outside world, which is the mistake. We need to just notice that the aperture can open more. So if, if we start a meeting and everyone's in a kind of mm, feeling state, then that's not going to help, right? So we need to respect that variable more. And the system will open by itself right but it, but it's, it, it's quite normalized and quite nuanced and quite subtle that we don't see it because we just assume certain things do get us in a contracted aperture and therefore we don't look think it can open but it's perfectly possible um and we just need to calibrate it and tune into it at the bpa we've been helping our members um get back to whatever the new normal is um we've been responding to the covid pandemic and lockdown measures and the uneasing of those um, certainly we've noticed human behavior change and lots of people have talked about appreciating nature and relationships in different ways um, as, a, as, a, as a kind of a, a correlate or a side effect or, or whatever of, of, of COVID. It kind of uh, seems to tie into um, a lot of what you were talking about, about this uh, seeing the world in different ways and so on. And I wondered um, what you could draw on, on how things have changed. Is there a sea change in the way our, the general public are, are seeing the world? Is, is it chiming with your, your way of working? Interesting, because what we're getting, I think, is both ends of the spectrum. So we're getting some people experiencing more connection with family, community, love, compassion, nature, that kind of thing, uh, and, and seeing things in a higher quality of mind. We're also seeing things at the other end. Right, we're getting people being more judgmental, more fearful, more isolated, more anxious, more stressed. So we're actually, it, 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 it extended it at both ends. And, and that's the beautiful thing about uh, what I would call a rupture, when you have something coming in and blowing us out of the water like a pandemic has, a global pandemic has, is you get to see the mind actually in its, all its glory and it's less so. Now, if we can then go, oh, 
I can be in both of those. I can be in that very high quality of mind, feeling love for all the things that are going on, connecting with people. And yeah, but then the week before I was really fearful about my job and I felt lonely. And I said, if we can see both of those, we can start to see it's more the mind, not the situation. And that would be a very useful thing for society to spot. Yeah, that's, it, that is really interesting. It's that kind of idea of it just being recognizing it as your thoughts, but not actually taking it person, personally and kind of, I don't know if I'm explaining that very no, well. No, you, you're, yeah. you're on the right track there. It's, <laughs> because I use the dream metaphor quite a lot. Mm. We have a dream, we, we experience it, it's real, it's vivid, it's sentient. We might enjoy it, we might not enjoy it, depending on what it is, but we wouldn't then think that's what it is, mm. right? It's like a movie. We, we can enjoy a film or a movie and really get involved and cry and laugh, but we don't think there's dinosaurs outside, right? So what we have to spot is, yes, it's going on for us. It's real, right? So no one's saying you're pretending, but it's not true. Yeah. There's no objective truth, right? It doesn't exist. Not in time, space, and matter anyway, right? So... If we can, then we can enjoy the ride of our lives, you know, whatever it is. We can enjoy the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows without making too much meaning about what we've attributed them to. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. One of the things that came up um, in, in the keynote that you did in terms of the questions was people asking about how they could use this concept um, to improve their line management skills. And I was just thinking of it a little bit more broadly. I mean, I'd be curious to know your thoughts on that as well, but also in terms of creating teams and is that something mm. kind of, can it work sort of, is it always a sort of top down approach or can it work sort of? Well, it, it can work anyway. And in organization, generally it works better if the leadership do something because then you don't get resistance, right? So mm. it would work better if it weren't top down, but it can anyway and i think you know how you do it um which is always a question people love to know is i mean the unhelpful answer maybe or people ask people don't like is you see this and then it just takes care of itself right because as i said earlier it's about implications right so once you cotton on to this it becomes obvious how to run your team differently or how to line manage more effectively you can try and apply it but you'll be trying to play with a concept, right? So it, I always say to people who want to be better leaders or better line managers, start with you, right? If you're listening going, oh, how could I use this to make my, my team better? You're missing the point, right? Because your own resourcefulness, your own superpower of how to be a great leader, manager, um, will, is determined by your understanding of this, right? Yes, there might be some practical things you need to learn about how to line manage, you know, that, that's skill-based stuff. Yeah, but your fertility to those and receptiveness to those will go up through your aperture. But most of leadership and line management is about being a human and understanding human potential and knowing and being present. I mean, being present is so important because there's a magic in being present. It's not just about listening nicely. People feel they vibe off that because they feel recognized, they feel trusted, they feel understood, they feel they can be vulnerable. That's, that's the basis to it, actually. And in that presence, you're more present to the idea of new insightful action coming through, new ideas, new things to say. I mean, when people are in a high quality of mind, things pop out of their mouth and they're like, oh, God, yeah, and it landed really well. Or they don't even know where it came from. It's beautiful. It's not a script. It's not a course they've been on and said, here's five things to line manage. It's a different way of seeing human resourcefulness. It's interesting that you, we've talked a lot about um, how individuals relate in line management and, and in the meeting setting. 
a lot of what we do at the BPA is around um, campaigns and initiatives to sometimes influence uh, behaviour. Um, we have one, for example, Park Active, where we're looking at the last mile, encouraging people to park in out-of-town car parks, get on a bike, walk into town. But there is the human behaviour element, the tendency for people to fall back into less healthy patterns after the pandemic or, or, or push back against um, certain things like encouraging you to do more active travel. Is there anything in your um, in your approach that we can learn in terms of how we how we publicise initiatives, how we try and get the message across? I mean, I think it's very interesting because when you're looking at habit change, whether that's eating more healthily, you know, not using the car so much, it what you really want is change to come via realization. Now, what I mean by realization-based change is people just see the obviousness of it. Right. So to me, it I live two miles away from my local town centre. It just makes no sense to me to drive. I jump on my bicycle unless I've got lots of children in the back and they, they won't cycle because we haven't got time or I need to pick lots of shopping but then I even shop with my bike so it so to me there's an obviousness in that right now when we're looking at habit change we can either try and force people through compliance carrot and stick right to get a change which will be fine whilst you're still applying the carrot and the stick right but what we really want for transformative change is people to see it as that good idea i'll park the car there and then do the last mile like that so the question really comes from a communication engagements perspective is how do we help behind the eye change but how do we help realization based change and that's not something we can directly control but we can influence we, we can help people see it so that they can see it for themselves so so we can point them in direction and it, it, there's a magic to that that you can't really formalize but but it's helping people um have a new mindset about it right and and the way you do that is by them being exposed i mean there's again sometimes it happens completely devoid of stimulus but it's helping people see the possibility of it getting inspired by it um seeing examples of it trying it out in a way where they don't feel pressured to do it you know there's a few things that kind of can increase that but really what you're looking for is for the individual to have the oh that would make sense but they have to know about something like park active so there's still informative change you can do um but allowing people to see it for themselves i'm so glad we're recording this i didn't have to scribble all of that down some great <laughs> insights that which you will try and integrate into the scheme as as, as we uh, hope to roll it out and yeah it, it, it does feel like you've got to have that uh, individual aha moment as well as your messaging and you have to find ways of, of encouraging that to happen i mean i think some people are, are actually just not keen on cycling because they've had a previous experience and they need to be gently brought back into it. Um, and, and perhaps also, you know, being able to see your town in a different way through walking in rather than taking your car in. Once you have that experience, uh, I'm sure, you know, it's something you'd want to repeat. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, a, a lot of it is, is, is exactly that. You just try it and, and oh, it seems OK. So and, and, and having a trust, I suppose, you know, a brand's role nowadays in the BPA being a brand or Park Active being a brand is you know, you're going to help people change if, if there's a trust, you know, and a relationship with that brand and you feel that brand's part of your, they kind of get you. So, 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 so we like it when some, when we feel intimate with, with, with something, we feel like, oh, they get me. Right. So relatability, that's probably a better word than that. Um, having empathy and understanding from a brand to the orders helps. 
Yeah, I'm also just thinking or was thinking as you were talking, a lot of it is um, in like today's sort of society, we are very, we're used to having things given to us instantaneously and immediately. And that that's that same thing in terms of driving into the centre of town is that actual feeling that you're getting there faster and you're closer and you can get home faster. The reality is, if you're in a car, you're quite often stuck in traffic because uh, I do a lot of walking around places and run between places and stuff as well but um i think it's that it's having that sort of shift of mindset of slowing down perhaps a little bit and realizing yeah. that actually you can as we were talking at the start of the podcast you can listen to something and learn something and do something else while while you're walking somewhere and actually it's less about just being in that spot that journey is part of I, th I think that's such an important point, but because we, we, if we could, I mean, it sounds a bit trite, but, but the journey is part of the experience, right? You know, so it's not, I mean, people who cruise, you know, on boats, that, 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 they don't just wait to get to the next city, that, that getting there is part of the thing, right? But, it, but in day-to-day -day life, we're like, oh, I want to get as quick as possible, get in the shops and get out or something. But if we realize that, you know, going for a walk or whatever, or cycling, you know, it's a nice time to chat to the kids or to do this or to do that. We can, we can slow it down again. I mean, you know, it's only in the last 50 years that we've gone all bonkers on trying to rush everywhere. Um, so the, again, it's about being present and, and not having anywhere to get to because um, we strive a lot. You know, the, the conceptual mind and our conditioning in society makes us strive you know, whether it's in our careers, get to the next thing, whether it's in our money, get to the next thing. And, and almost at a micro level, you know, our schooling, get to the next exam, right? It, it's like, get to the shops quickly. <laughs> but we just need to, you know, smell the roses a little bit. I mean, it sounds very trite for people, but once they have the aha, and I think lockdowns really help that. I mean, the number of people I've heard who say, well, I quite like walking now, you know, and they didn't before. Well, walking was always like it was. You just see it differently. It's a beautiful example. Yeah, it's interesting that though um, I've had a lot of conversations like that and I've done a lot of um, traveling and um, quite on the go all the time. And actually lockdown, I think has been quite good for me in terms of making me stop and have that time to think. And yeah, like you say, walk to places and enjoy the area where you live and that kind of thing. Yeah. So when we go back to the office, Joey, we, we will be uh, working in a different time frame, virtually or, or actually or, or whatever. It's going to be interesting because... Uh, I um, I didn't think I was green fingered at all before uh, lockdown. I just coincidentally got a, a an allotment, and just the pace it takes for things to grow, and being yeah. with that, it's just a completely different mindset. Um, then they must get this off by tomorrow. The whole quick um, hustle and bustle of of, of office life, um, and certainly something that I shall be probably obsessive about <laughs> as joey will probably testify i'm always talking about it. so i think this is uh you know uh, this is a a factor of of of, of what you do Piers, is you do get us to think outside the box we've touched on parking but we've talked about everything else that you know that happens in life that relates to our working lives so uh we all have a lived experience of parking unless we of course don't drive i'm assuming you have a car oh yeah i do i do yeah, drive yeah. yeah 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 so Tell us about your lived experience and maybe from that, how you think our sector could improve, um, both for the driver experience, maybe for efficiencies in organisations, um, how we fit into the, the wider debate around the climate and so on. Big questions. <laughs> maybe we could just focus on, on you know, 
your immediate thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think parking, I-, I suppose I kind of, this isn't helpful. I see it as a necessary evil, really. Um, I'd, a, probably not ra- I'd rather not be driving uh, to start with. So therefore, parking's like, oh, it's like going to the dentist. Um, but I don't always see it like that. I, I-, I think, you know, f- from the parking operator's perspective, you know, making it easy, just things like, you know, very simple, like having to pay. Right, just make it as easy as you blooming can nowadays. Right, um, maybe making the spaces a little bit bigger so you're not thinking someone's going to scratch your car or you're going to bang someone else's car. Now I know there's a commercial payoff in that, so I completely get why they're not. One thing I was thinking about that this is is my next car. I'm probably going to get an EV if I can. Right, so an electric vehicle just because they seem just like the right thing to do. Um, now I'm wondering whether if the car park offers faster charging than I have at home whether I'll see the car park as, huh, two birds with one stone. So I, I'm a big fan of two birds with one stone. So if I can do two things at once, like, so cycling to the shops is great because I get a little bit of outside, a little bit of fresh air, a bit of exercise, and I get to go to the shops. Now, if it means I get to charge the car, car up quicker or cheaper than I can from home, then, hmm, that's a very useful thing for a car park. Um, so I think, that, you know, and, and also it's, it's trying to get it out of just being a necessary evil, I think, parking and into something more useful. Uh, sorry, they are useful, but something that adds a bit more value. Um, and uh, seeing, seeing how important it is. Because when I do use the car now, I do value it because I have to use the car for that scenario. So it's a bit more, it feels a bit more important in my life than just a, I'm just nipping to the shops because I'm usually doing it for something else. So I think from a, from a perspective of a, of a car park operator, um, it's constantly keeping fresh on what your users' experiences, uh, and not just thinking, well, they have to use us because we don't, right? I, I will be quite cunning in not parking in car parks sometimes. So um, don't get complacent. Keep thinking fresh about how you see your the separate reality. You're guessing, of course, of your users, and that might spark some insight. That's uh, so many times we had a, a whole workshop about EVs and this thing about um, the value you can add to the parking experience through what you offer people with electric vehicles, not just um, cheaper, faster charging. Vehicle to grid is another thing in the future where we can um, you know, offer the electricity in our car battery back to the grid. Yep. And, and then the, the social things that you could add on to, you know, if there's a cafe wh- wh- while you're having a car charge yep. and so on and so forth. I'm really interested uh, in your work and, and what you have on the horizon. What, what, what's what's uh, the future looking like for you, Piers? What, could you tell us about your projects? Well, next week, first face-to-face three-day training since February. Uh, since, no, first week in March. So, so looking forward to that. So we tend to do our workshops in three-day events because um, it's very immersive, this understanding. As you can see, I, I can talk to you about it in 10 minutes, but what we do in the three days is we expand that 10 minutes to three days and people really get a deep dive in what we're talking about so they have the ahas, right? So we've got our first one coming out next week. Beautiful, can't wait, unless we have a lockdown. Um, so, uh, and then I'm also, you know, so that's what an open course, actually, that's people just coming on from their own volition. Um, and then I'm doing some work with some bigger organizations about some of the change they're doing. And they see the value of under getting this to make the soil. What I, the metaphor I would use is if an organization is going through change, this makes the soil fertile, right? Which makes the change much easier and even self-perpetuated. And the lovely bonus, 
is not only does it help that organizational transformation they're trying to do, people get value for themselves in their personal life, in their home lives, for their well-being. So it's, there's no trade-off or payoff between organizational performance and well-being. Because some things you learn, you go, well, yeah, that may make me more perform better, but it will sacrifice my well-being. Or some things will help your well-being, but won't really help your performance, right? So the beautiful thing about this understanding is it helps both. So it feels like a gift from the organization to the person, not only because it's going to help the organization's bottom line, but also because people will see benefits for their parenting, for their health, for their wealth, for their relationships, for their whatever it happens to be, their, their work-life balance, their mental health. So um, I'm very blessed to, to do this. Um, and the organizations I work with, they tend to be the more pioneering ones. Um, other people aren't patient enough, but um, it, it's, it's, it's a gift, I think. To, to be able to point people in this direction it's i think that's a really good point the sort of it, you have to let it happen slowly really don't you and sort of is that well it, it's 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 non-linear right so slowly mm. is the the wrong description it's more you have to give it the space now for some people it, it the penny drops really fast right mm. and we're doing a three-day course and by lunchtime on day one they're like woesers and they're totally like you know it just blows them away. I, I, the metaphor I often use is popcorn. You know, when you're cooking popcorn, some go pop, 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 and some go gradually unfold. So it, it needs the space to be looked at beyond the intellectual conceptual thing that it is. That's the thing. And it has to be realized, not applied. And I uh, imagine um, what you're talking about is very out of the box. You mentioned some organizations are less keen to be open to it, but similarly, some individuals would perhaps find seeing the world in a different way, quite risky and, and yeah. out of their comfort zone. And um, there might be some pushback. I don't know if yes. you experienced that in your workshops. Oh, t t totally. And, and that's the conceptual mind ego going, I'm not going to be made redundant, you know, kind of thing. Because <laughs> so, so, so for some people, they find it really, um, it, it's different and it challenges their sense of who they are because they tend to be people who self-identify with their intellect. Um, so very smart people sometimes really struggle, which is ironic. And, and then that frustrates them that they really struggle because they don't normally struggle with stuff because we're, we're pointing to a whole different side of people that they don't always see, which they've kind of numbed down. Now, some people will just walk away from the conversation then, in which case, okay, there you go. But people who are willing to be curious about that, that part of them can dissolve quite easily. But it's 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 not everyone's cup of tea it can be everyone's cup of tea but you have to have i think the phrase i often use is intellectual humility and some people for understandable reasons are not great with their intellectual humility Piers, i'm aware you have to go soon um but i wondered if, if it we've covered so much in this uh, podcast is there anything you'd like to add anything from your experience at the conference before we uh, we say goodbye yeah um no, it was a great experience. I, I loved it. I mean, you, you never, you're always flying a bit blind. You, you can't see anyone when you're talking. So they could all be asleep for all I know. Um, but it felt right. So I'll go with that. Um, the, the, the thing I would just urge people to do is to get curious. That's all I'd say. I would say, press pause on what you think you know. Get curious. Listen to this podcast. Listen to other podcasts. There's resources about this that, you know, we can send to you. That's open-mindedness, intellectual humility. And seeing beyond what you first see of this so so this is emergent you know you might first see it and go oh yeah oh, that's not for me or that's not my cup of tea or i kind of get that i've got the gist done go beyond that i promise you it is valuable i promise you it is enriching valuable 
and a worthwhile thing to do and, and exactly what we need right now if it wasn't the case before. So thank you for this conversation as well. I think that's a really great, um, great place to end it. Get curious and be open. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's been really fascinating and also for being part of the conference. And if anyone wants, who hasn't heard it, wants to download it, it will be in the blurb below on this, on this podcast. Great. Well, thank you. And thanks for your great questions. So thank